Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. We had a thought to interview each other. Just so you guys can get to know us a little better, we'll probably share about some of the things that have shaped us as humans. Potentially, you know, some self-disclosure on trauma. Like, we're not really sure where this is going to lead. <laughs> or go anywhere. We're just going to mm-hmm. let it let it take its course. We're starting with our fearless leader. She's a co-leader, but she would call herself (laughs) the alpha. She would. I brought you two together. (laughs) I made this podcast. Even though we all know that that's not true because Taylor first had the idea of a podcast and then KJ was the one that was like, I'll do all the work. KJ did everything. (laughs) And then, because I'm such a bubbly, happy person, they couldn't stand the idea of having it without me. So, (laughs) here I am. Well, Riding on the coattails. Really just described (laughs) all of us. All of us. (laughs) kind of did, actually. We probably don't need to even go into this further, but we will. Mm -hmm. So, we'll start with Jessica Bodily Miller. Let's just start off with family dynamics. Mm -hmm. Are you an older, middle, or younger child? And how has that screwed you up in life? Oh my gosh. I'm a middle (laughs) child, so it defines everything in my life. My younger sister is the favorite. (laughs) And I'm like pausing for, I literally paused so that she could refute it, but she's not here. Because every time I say that, she's like, no, I'm not. But she is. Um, My older brother, I competed with all growing up because he was very smart. So I, you know, like if he got a four on an AP test, then I had to get a four on the AP test. Mm -hmm. And then if I didn't, I just wouldn't talk about it. (laughs) But if I did, then I would rub it in his face kind of a thing, you know. Obviously. Um, And then I... So my family is weird because there's three of us who are older um, and, you know, so we have the classic oldest, middle, youngest, but then eight years later, we had my youngest brother. Mm. And so then I still stayed in that middle child role for sure the whole time. But then like my sister was displaced as the youngest. So things got kind of weird, but so she still acts like the youngest and then he also was the youngest, but a different type of youngest. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird little thing, but I am a very classic middle child. Um, I think that comes into my therapy side because it's like that classic peacemaker listener kind of a personality, but then also it plays into my personality of like, 
oh, woe is me. No one pays attention to Jessica. No one notices. <laughs> and my mom is listening to, I guarantee my mom is listening. And she's going, that is not even true, Jessica. We all paid attention <laughs> to you all the time. But I was always like, I have to like, do something big to be able to like be noticed or, you know, have big motions. But, but then I also had that avoidance streak that I've talked about before where it was like, well, unless you ask me the exact right question, I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> that was my favorite thing from that whole and episode. So I was like such a weird, <laughs> like mix of a human. I don't make any sense. I'm introvert and extrovert. I'm like, You're I don't know. What other... Yeah. I'm, like avoidant but also secure and anxious attachment wise like I really can do everything (laughs) I could be like really unhealthy or really healthy in my behaviors I could just do it all wow (laughs) I know oh my gosh this is like what a brag (laughs) I could be really unhealthy with my mental health or I could be really healthy or super healthy yeah all depends on what I feel like (laughs) exactly but you can't do that. <laughs> That's kind of like classic therapist mindset almost of like, I know all the answers, but mm. do I actually do, do them I in do my it? life? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And um, a lot of times we ourselves have to go to therapy to have mm-hmm. someone else tell us what we would ourselves tell ourselves. But since mm-hmm. it's coming from someone else, we'll actually do it. Oh, we my gosh. But it's hilarious it. because when I'm in, I've been in therapy the past like six months probably um and every time i'm like talking and i'm just explaining to her what i'm doing and she goes well it sounds like you already have a pretty good grasp on it and i'm like yeah but i can't like, stop myself <laughs> yeah I, I do. <laughs> yeah i'm always like so i do this and this bothers me because of this and this and this and she's like okay it's good to know thank you <laughs> now you can leave i guess you know I'm like thanks you can leave but it's guess. helpful to have someone to say it to for me so classic middle child mm-hmm. that became a middle adult at some point yes. how have yeah. things like that kind of translated into adulthood like your behaviors and characteristics from your younger years like do you feel like you're kind of that same person or have things shaped you to be different I think I'm still generally that same person I'm like a big believer in the childhood stuff affecting us forever you know like it's a thing you know and so I think I'm still that similar where I really do go either way because I'm so used to playing the middle person here's a great story that will define being a middle child One time, my family was going to Flaming Gorge, which is a big lake near Utah, and I got left at a gas station. And so my family was driving, and my sister looked over and was like, Jessica's not in the car. My dad goes, we can't turn around. (laughs) And so he made my uncle... was with us turn around and come get me like that defines being a middle child so yes it has followed me throughout my whole (laughs) life where I'm like sometimes (laughs) I do have to like stand up and make myself known and then other times I'm like just be quiet and don't get in trouble because 
they'll notice Trevor or Danielle instead of me, you know? And I think that that really has like, even in grad school, like if you think about like our friend group, it was like, I'm either like, or I'm like, I'm the best one in this group (laughs) and I'm going to bring us all together. But it, it's just like funny how I kind of like swing to these two extremes over and over again. Yeah. So out of the three of us, you are the one that has, I think, the biggest passion for working with kids and childhood yeah. trauma and attachment and those sorts of things. So do you feel like that stems from your own experiences or is that just kind of a like passion that you kind of came across as you were learning to be a therapist? Yeah, I just like came across it. Well, I came across it before. It's the reason I became a therapist. So when I was younger, I remember having this like um, experience taking care of a little like baby and I got in trouble for something that I did. This is one of those things where I'm like, I got in trouble for something that I'm doing. And I'm like, I could tell you exactly what that person said and what they did (laughs) because it traumatized me so much. So I learned like I'm bad at taking care of kids. That was what I learned. But then when I was at my undergrad, I got a job at a substance abuse treatment center. I've talked about this before where I worked with the children of the mothers who were in therapy, getting help for their addictions. So I was working with these kids. I did it all day, every day, and I was really good at it. And I loved those kids so much because there is nothing to make you love children and hate children like traumatized children because they have an insecure attachment. So they attach to you really quickly and really strongly. And it is very fulfilling because they love you so much. The opposite of course, is those disorganized kids who then I've talked about this before. I think throw a cash register at your nose and Mm -hmm. you have a bloody nose and they're still running around the room at large. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I hate my life. But (laughs) most of them were really, they just were, were so attached to me and I love them. And I just wanted to help them. And I wanted to help their moms, but I knew I couldn't work there long term because I didn't make enough money. And so I asked my boss what degree she had. She said, I have an LCSW. I was like, cool, I guess I'll be a social worker then. I don't, I truly don't think I knew that being a social worker meant doing therapy until I was in the program. Wow. (laughs) What a wake up call. Like, I did not fully connect that. She procrastinates so well and so good in her life that she <laughs> doesn't. She didn't even know she was being a therapist <laughs> yeah. until she was being no. trained to be a therapist. Yeah, exactly. I think it's one of those things where in life you are led to what you are supposed to do. And so I was allowing myself to be led and it That's all cool. worked out great. But it is really funny that I don't know. I have no memory of being like, I'm going to be a therapist. Like, I remember being in D.C. and trying to decide if I should come back to Utah for school or if I should stay out there and do school. And I just told everyone, like, I want to be a a social worker. But I don't remember telling people, like, I can't wait to be a therapist. So I really don't think I understood that until we were in school. I don't know when it clicked, but I guess it did. Maybe in your first practicum when you got your first client. (laughs) When I'm, like, talking to her and I'm like, I can help. Sure. And you are not a child. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I'm really good at in therapy, this is just a tangent that came to my brain, is understanding why people do what they do. 
I don't think I'm necessarily very good at like the talking and like processing and stuff, but I'm very good at looking at someone talking to them for a very short amount of time and understanding what made them the way that they are and why they are acting the way that they are. Which is a huge talent. You should. All yeah. Know. I think that that's like very, what my very valuable. Yes, it is like a thing, but it's very hard because people don't want to hear that very often. And Actually, so that's five where minutes gets, after you meet them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So in therapy, I would get stuck very often because I'd be like, I, I feel like I know exactly what to do to help you, but you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. So that's so, why doing therapy was hard sometimes. So let's turn your talent on yourself. Mm, I know a lot. Why about do you do <laughs> what you do? <laughs> well, which things are you talking about that I do? All the mm. things. Just, uh, I guess you're kind of long-standing behaviors you've had in life. Oh, those are procrastination. Okay, procrastination is a wonderful one because procrastination until I left graduate school, okay, until I left the greenhouse was a hallmark of my life. <laughs> Which it is was a everywhere. place she worked like an outpatient yeah, clinic. Yeah, that's where I worked. Yes. Uh-huh. So, until I left work, I should say I procrastinated like every day. So what that would say about me is that I had strong perfectionistic tendencies. And the reason that I procrastinated was a way to self-sabotage because if what I did didn't work out, I could blame it on the fact that I waited until the last second. Mm -hmm. And then I could be like, well, if I had studied longer, I would have gotten a better score instead of having to own up to the fact of like, I just got a bad score, period. Yeah. I couldn't sit with that. So I had to have an excuse. So that's why I procrastinated forever. Once I started to realize that's why I was doing it, which started coming out in grad school as I learned about Brene Brown, really, then I got better at procrastinating in the way that was helpful to me, where I was still trying to put forth effort, but I was trying to use the adrenaline of waiting to last second to help me do things faster. If that makes sense. So I was trying to like harness the power of procrastinating. Whereas before that, it really was just like, I don't want to fail and have it be my fault. So I'll make it procrastinating's fault. Mm. Yeah. But I don't procrastinate nearly in parenting. You can't procrastinate. So it's actually kicked a lot of that out of me because you, you can't be like, Oh, wait till the last minute to wash this bottle. I mean, I guess you could, but I don't live that way. I don't I don't know what, like, what can you procrastinate with? You can't be like, well, I'll just wait till the last minute until she's just at the, just the very top of her crying before I go get her. Like, I'm not procrastinating that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. It's the same thing with, like, cleaning. I never cleaned, but since having Enna, I've figured out a lot more of, like, how to keep things clean. How has your life changed since you had Anna? I feel like a more whole Jessica, which is weird. However, like, so I would say this is a very important thing to me. So listen up. (laughs) But I felt like I was a very whole person before I had Anna. Like I, I very much in Um, the culture that I grew up in, I guess you could say there was this expectation of like, you get married and you have children. 
And I really uh, pushed back against that as like, those things are not what defines me and makes me me. Like I'm Jessica, whether I'm married, I'm Jessica, whether I have a child, I wanted to be married and have a child, but that didn't define me, you know? So I made sure that like before I got married and before I had Anna, I really lived my life to the fullest. And I did, I did a lot of stuff, but now that I am married and have Anna, I have seen how like taking care of someone full time just like transforms the way that you interact with the world in a positive way. And I don't think that it's like the only way to have that transformation, but that's Mm -hmm. what it has been in my life because I do have her. Mm -hmm. And so it has been really cool to be like, Oh, I'm like, I feel more like myself, but then less like myself in other ways. But like a lot, I feel more settled in who I am and my behaviors and what I'm doing as a mother, which is interesting. So I think a lot of people, it's the opposite mm-hmm. where they come. We talked about this on our motherhood episode where it's like you come into motherhood and then you're like really shaken. Whereas I came into motherhood and was like, oh, okay, this feels really good. But I came into motherhood at 30 years old mm-hmm. versus like being 21 or 25 or even 27, you know, like every year different that you spend without children and without a spouse or whatever, like the more you work on yourself, the better off you're going to be when you do big things. Well, and you had to work really hard and fight for that child. Mm -hmm. We have an episode about Jessica's infertility and IVF journey. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you had to wait and wait for, for that to come into your life. Yeah. And, and I had like a, so yes. much. Yeah. And I had like a good friend who had been infertile way back when um, she was like, her kids are grown now, but she always was like, I'm so jealous of like how you're doing infertility. You know, like I really tried to be like, I'm still living my life. I'm still trying to be full, but I'm still like acknowledging that this is hard and sad, but I'm not, going to let it stop me from doing anything in life, you know? And so I did a lot of stuff. I still was a therapist and I traveled and I didn't learn how to cook, but I should have during that time, but you know, whatever (laughs) I can do that now. (laughs) Just great. It is like a, yeah, I look back on my life and I'm glad that I did things when I did them. And I think it turned out really well. And I think that I used the waiting periods that I had really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you were fulfilled in the waiting. Yeah. Like you yeah. weren't just kind I of. I wasn't this just like waiting. Yeah. Empty shell of who you are. Like mm-hmm. you were a full person that was doing everything they could to learn and change and mm-hmm. fill your potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I wasn't going to wait for like these big boxes that you are supposed to check in society, you know, like I wasn't going to wait for that to do what I wanted to do. And so I went to grad school before that and I traveled a lot before that. And I had a lot of friends and I had fun and Mm -hmm. it was great. And in your timeline of, Oh, go ahead. Tay. No, go ahead. No, you're good. In your timeline of things and maybe in the culture that you 
were growing up in, if it didn't meet the timeline of other people, like how did you kind of deal with that discrepancy? Yeah, I think it's very well known that it's very well known that I live in Utah. That's not what's very well known, but it's very well known that in Utah, people tend to get married earlier and have children earlier. And so I did have a lot of friends who were doing that, but at the same time, I had a lot of friends who weren't because the people that I was drawn to were more drawn to careers and schooling and blah, 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 blah. So that helped a lot was choosing friends and people that I connected with because they also had the same priorities as me. And then it also was realizing and having that really, really strong belief that like, I am not less than someone who has found a spouse because you're not. And that's stupid to think that, you know, I'm not less than someone who has a child. A child is just a thing. I wrote that in like my on my phone, it was like my phone background when I was infertile. It was like having a child is just a thing. It's a really huge thing, but it's just a thing ultimately. It's just like a life event and there's tons of life events that will shape and mold us. And it has shaped and molded me because it was a big one, but like I could have still been a whole complete person without Anna. I just prefer having her because she's so cute. (laughs) She is the cutest. You know? Like, oh, she learned how to say a chew. Oh my gosh, where she's, she's sneezing. Yeah, yeah. She's oh. turning one this weekend and she goes, ha chew. <laughs> and she puts her head down because that's what we do. And it's just like the best. <laughs> and like, how can you live without that? You know, but Fills your I would have and I would have been fine, you know? Yeah. Great. I think one thing that I feel like our listeners need to know about Jessica or just one thing that I have been really impacted by about her is her just like inspiring level of self-awareness. Like she's always working to understand herself more, like whether those are the tough things to understand or the good things about herself, like she's always striving to understand herself more, accept those things and work on them. And I just like, I feel like a lot of us get so wrapped up in, oh, I can't like, like, oh, that's hard. I don't want to face that. Or I don't want to figure out those things about myself. But like, just like her level of growth is always really, it's just really inspiring to me to see how much and how dedicated she is to growth and just improving. And I just, I want to I want to be like her someday when I grow up. <laughs> Stop it. I feel like if you guys could see me, I was like laughing and smiling. And then Taylor started talking and I'm like, want to tear up and cry. Like, That's so nice. It really is so nice. They like I try to be self-aware. I don't think it always works because, you know, you always miss something. But I do try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think just too, like how aware and in tune you are with other people. Like you have this way of having conversations with people where they feel very seen. And I Mm -hmm. haven't, of course, experienced having you as a therapist, but you have this way when you're interacting with people, even just like a normal friend interaction, like when people would just come over to our apartment to hang out, that you could help them feel comfortable and eventually like things just always seem to get into these like really good, like deep conversations with people. 
And I think that is, I mean, that's like a skill to like be like to give off the energy that people can be real and comfortable with you. And so I imagine that like as a therapist, a lot of your clients can feel that way and to work with kids and have kids be able to feel that way with like a stranger and an adult stranger Very special. is Very special. like really unique. So yeah, yeah, if they liked me, some of them did, some of them did not because <laughs> kids are less likely to like going to therapy, but like they got used to it and they enjoyed it, but man. Some of those kids, well, avoidant traumatized kids don't like therapy. I should say that. (laughs) But I do think like I am all about the let's get down to the nitty gritty and let's not just like let's do this surface level really fun, like hilarious stuff. But then at some point, if you're my friend, we will get to the deep stuff if we're real friends. Mm -hmm. If we haven't gotten to the deep stuff yet, then we're just not close enough. But give me time and we'll get there. And all of the people that listen to our podcast, we treat as friends, <laughs> I guess, yes. because you guys know so, some of the deeper things about us. That is always funny when like people in real life are like, oh, yeah, I knew that from the podcast. And I'm always like, oh, I forget that we just like throw that out there and we don't <laughs> know who is listening <laughs> and know stuff about us. Like, OK, cool. Oh, you so say you're aware that my dad left me at a gas station <laughs> when I was like a teenager. That's cool. Thank you. But also, I don't mind if people know, but it's just always funny when they're like, oh, yeah, like that one time your dad left you. And I'm like, how do you know about that? It was on your podcast. OK, yeah. cool. Yeah. Glad I shared. <laughs> but it's always funny. But I will say that I very much enjoy it. I enjoy sharing on the podcast. I enjoy like making myself vulnerable because I do want people to realize that it is hard to do it. It was very hard when I first started doing it, but now it's so easy to share and realize that most people are going to be very respectful and are safe people to trust things with. And so I don't mind sharing with like the general public because the general public is generally safe for me to share things with also realize that I'm not sharing very, very intimate, close secrets because you only do that with people that you are very, very close with. But in general, I think it's great to share. So that's why I do this podcast. That's why I will tell you weird stories. Like my dad left me at a gas station because it does not reflect poorly on my dad. Like kids get left behind sometimes. And I was definitely old and I was not in danger or anything but <laughs> it's also a funny story so well thanks Jessica for sharing with us letting us pick your brain hearing about your hey, life no problem mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love everything you said about just all your insights that you've had about attachment and procrastination and vulnerability mm-hmm. and it's just a plethora of goodness in this so thanks hey no problem Catch you later. Tune in, guys, for KJ and Taylor's episodes coming up in the next few weeks. Riveting, riveting stuff. Oh, yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. 
We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com. And if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.